We're just about to go across live to the Black Deaths in Custody rally on the steps of Parliament, but we're going to move now to a song and then we'll be doing the live cross. Um, young Warriors, and um, my name's Robbie Thorpe, and I'm here down at the uh, at Parliament House uh, for the 30th anniversary, um, I suppose, uh, commemoration of, of the Deaths in Custody Report, which came out in nine, 1991, which entailed, I think, something like 380-odd uh, recommendations and we're, we're down here today um, to see, see what's happened to those recommendations. And um, like it's been 30 years and nothing seems to have changed. And I think just in the, the last uh, two months, there's been eight more deaths. Now we're talking about in custody, which means... Um, Foreigners' law. We die at a, an unbelievable rate, and we know that this country hasn't got treaty consent, and obviously there's there's no jurisdiction. So we're all here gathered today outside uh, the colonisers' parliament to ask the question once again: Why is this happening? And is it related to the the bigger picture that's uh, we're claiming it to be, and that's the genocide, the premeditated criminal genocide which, which this country's uh, built upon. Um, I'm going to pass over to Viv just to give you a little bit of a description of um, how we're going here. Hi Annie, thanks Robbie. Yeah, look, we're standing on the steps, as Robbie said. It's pretty cold today and people are um, uh, slowly still coming in and they're about to kick off. 
some speeches real soon. So we're going to be here live at 3CR for the next hour. So as Robbie said, there are 30 years since the hand down of the recommendations of the report. And not much has happened. 440 Aboriginal deaths in custody since the report was released. And in the last two months, five, another five people have died in custody. And I'm sure there'll be people here talking today a little bit more about um, the specifics of that. Um, there, there's people gathered on all corners. There's um, police lined up behind me on the steps. We don't have a truck today. Where are the speakers going to be speaking from today, Rob? Can you see? I, I assume that's going to be done from the, the steps of Parliament here. Um, they've got a, a truck over there they usually do it from. So um, I'm, I'm going to go and find out the list of speakers. I'll come back in a moment and give you a bit of an idea who they are. But, um, and try to find a, a few people we can just have, you know, just talk to a few people, just anyone off the street, ask them why they're here today and what it means to them. So and do that sort of um, roving um, interviews while we're waiting for these speeches to come. Okay, good idea, Rob. We're going to make our way a bit closer to the stage and go to a song in the meantime. Thanks, Annie. When they carried her like a dead kangaroo Found myself back to the same hospital Who'd assumed that her pain must be invisible But she cried three days about aching While Constable Bond said, nah, she's faking it Just another junkie who's trying to escape Another black troublemaker, well, I'm not taking it She's like a two-year-old, give her paracetamol Little did they know except to see me or a taken hold It's white prejudice, digging black holes Every black death in custody's a black now soul, soul, soul. Fines, yeah, just a few, 3,622 Got her locked up in the Port Hedland Zoo Where the few rich make millions while they snooze Still they called her a user until she died Cold truth in her pain in her eyes Racism so deep it's become institutionalized What they did to you is the real crime Where they call up the weather Horizon so long and a law without letters 
see it come, feel it fall like forever. Did it rain so long, all our tears made a river? It wasn't me, wasn't me, I'm innocent. Say the ones who betrayed her in every sense. Now they're whitewashing away evidence. Will we ever see a cop locked up for negligence? Will we ever see the rock turned up on ignorance? Will we ever see a government who first listens? Will we ever see the stats fall in black prisons? Did you die for nothing? No, she didn't. Too young, 22. When they carried her like a dead kangaroo, and we wish that it wasn't true, but it is. So the next question is, what are we gonna do? It's been 30 years since the Royal Commission released its final report into Aboriginal deaths in custody. Things have actually got worse, and there's still no justice. Come along to the National Day of Action. Stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Black Lives Matter, Saturday the 10th of April, 1pm, on the steps of Parliament House, Melbourne. Join us in the streets to demand justice and self-determination. See you there. And you're on 3CR. Uh, 3CR is doing a live cross to the Parliament steps on this uh, extraordinary day. Hi, Annie. We're back here on the steps of Parliament. All right, looks mm-hmm. like the um, speakers are about to get underway. Can you give us a bit more background, Robbie, on the um, Royal Commission? What was going on when, when this um, was happening? Uh- I suppose the catalyst for the death in custody was the death of uh, John Pat, who was a, um, an Aboriginal man from Western Australia. But we're getting ready to hear these, so I'm going to drop out. If, but I'll keep going. It began during, the Royal Commission sort of began during, because of John Pat's death, you know, that brutal death of that young man there. And um, it was after a long battle to get these deaths recognised. And I remember back in uh, not, probably 1982, and there was a, a body called um, um, Stop Black Death in Custody, I think it was called, at, the, at that time. And um, so that, that had sort of built the, uh, the foundation for that Royal Commission. And when John Pat's death happened, that's what uh, stimulated it. It became a real, people become very aware of what was going on. Well, that was the um, beginning of a, another nightmare. Where, and Royal Commissions, you know, there's lots of Royal Commissions and lots of issues uh, in this country, and none of them meant anything. And it was another great example of that, uh, the, the Death in Custody Royal Commission. Another one was the Stolen Generations Royal Commission. So, you know, how much weight do we have in regards to uh, the laws in this country being enacted? And um, you know, there's, there's lots of issues remaining. So we'll just remind people too that 
Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander make up 20% of the total population in Australia as of June 2019. That's, that's a huge, that's 28%. It's incredible. Um, also, too, I want to mention, before the speakers um, start, I talk a bit about UNDRIP, Robbie, the United Nations Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous People. Well, what's the, um, you know, what's the stance of these human rights, these, these papers in Australia? You know, it's, it's a declaration, which is not law. It's not actual law. It's not actual legislation like... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's got as much teeth as a genocide convention. It's, it's worthless in this country because it's not legislated for. So if, if it's not a legislated act, it's, it's meaningless. You can, they can um, pick and choose what parts of those, um, those charters and declarations they want to acknowledge. So it doesn't really um, mean anything until it's law in this country and, act, and acted on accordingly. So Australia's been able to... to um, uh, uh, dodge the bullet on a, a number of occasions, particularly the Genocide Convention is one, the Race Discrimination Act, where they regularly suspend it. And like you said, look at the incarceration rates of the original people of this land. You know, it's, it's, um, it's, a, it's a crime in itself. You know, we didn't have jails. You know, these people haven't got jurisdiction. They haven't got treaties or consent. How do they figure that, you know, we, you know, we just um, factory, uh, jail fodder for these people? And, and it's no wonder that we die at the rate we do in their jails because we fill their jails. And that makes sense. And that Royal Commission into Youth Incarceration in the Northern Territory. I mean, John Lawrence, who was one of the QCs that represented a youth, is a regular on Five First. He comes on regularly. What, is, what are some of the things that he talks about with regard to Royal Commissions and his take on, you know, the legal system? Uh, what do you... Yeah. Well, I won't ask you what John says, actually. Let's just... What I just said, is like, it, what, what do these royal commissions ultimately mean, at, you know, after the fact, 30 years down the track? Well, I think John recognised what we were saying. Average people have been around talking about justice for our people for a long time. And despite all these inquiries, nothing ever changes. In fact, since that inquiry, the death, the death rate of our people has got worse, you know. So, uh, you know, how does that... How do you figure? And, and look at the incomes of since the Royal Commission of people like um, lawyers, judges, police stations all got benefited from the Royal Commission, and none of the um, none of the other recommendations were implemented. You know, we weren't the benefit of that Royal Commission. The system was, and um, entrenched the, the, the race institutionalised racism even more. That's what's at the bottom of all of this. You know, something I learnt while doing Beyond the Bars, working on that over the last few years, is really the high proportion of Victorian Aboriginal, or just Aboriginal people in Victorian prisons that went through the foster care system. There's got to be, um, I mean, it's just, I think it was something like it was 40% from memory. Well, when you look at that, it's in, in it's the context of genocide over the whole lot. Why are we the most... Um, well, we're profiled, while we're intimidated, provoked. So we, um, we end up in jail. There's no opportunities for Aboriginal people. We've got bad housing. You know, the whole thing. Education's very poor. And, uh, you know, it's, it's systemic. And, and this is what they're, they're going to arrive at, these deaths in America, Black Lives Matter issues. It's systemic racism. 
the system's racist. The institutions are chronically racist in this country. Their constitution is racist. Terra nullis is a legal fiction. You know, this is where it all stems from. And it's an ingrained, um, indoctrinated race hatred in this country by the whole country, you know, and the country's in complete denial of the reality. So, well, that's the situation. No one's really aware. They want to really take on these debates. This is about genocide, premeditated, criminal, unchecked. And that's because this country's been out of sight, out of mind from the rest of the world for as long as it has. It lived on a white-only policy constitution. And, and you can imagine that all the institutions are built on the idea that black lives mean shit in this country. Right? If you can't see that, well, you're living in denial, Australia. Thanks, Robbie. Um, I think it looks like there is some movement here on the stage. Are we going to be kicking off soon? Yes, yeah. we will be. Um, you, do you want to say something now? No. All right, we just got word that there will be something happening very soon. Maybe um, might be time for another song, Annie. want to know what is peace can someone educate us all because all that it seems is that no one even knows what it means i mean i could be wrong but society is telling me that freedom isn't actually free i hate to say what is hard being black in these streets and when we tell them they don't want to believe because we're locked up in a system that we can't even see well i guess my last song went right over your heads because i was sending out a message but the message wasn't read reconciliation is what we all gotta spread so what more needs to be said for this to get in your head it's like if you're white you're right but if you're black in this country it's an everyday fight but for real i just want to know why it's like the system that we're in is going back in the time i'm sick and tired of the pain going on in the streets we're trying to make a change but they won't let us speak there's innocent black people who were murdered by police and no one's given up well that's the way it all seems that there's a whole lot of things that were never discussed the media never reveals what really happens to us but when a wombat was killed man they made it a fuss but let a cop shoot a brother they never did lock him up how would you feel if you had a stereotype how would you feel if the police pulled you up at night how would you feel being judged in your everyday life how would you feel nah stuff that how would you feel if a cop ran straight through your house and shot your son in the head and left him dying by the cash dragged his body outside as he was crying at loud and left your family tortured as they all surround and now 
I just want to see a change. We protest in our country to stop all the pain, but negativity still comes our way. We need to unlock the system, cause right now it's not safe, but I really do take in hand. There's a lot of white mob on this land to do as much as they can to give back, and yes, I understand. That's why I love my white folks, cause they do give a damn to listen. We need to look out for each other, but even better, we spread love for one another. Cause there be some days on my mind I really wonder how we gonna make a change for the way they see our color. Cause some nights I can't sleep. I just want to make it so us indigenous people can eat, so I preach, like every day of the week, so hopefully sometime we can live our life in peace, and that's real, and that's real, and that's real, so I preach, like every day of the week, so hopefully sometime we can live our life in peace. everybody for coming out today. My name is Tarneen Onus Williams and I'm a proud Gundishmara, Bindal and Yorta Yorta and Torres Strait Islander person and we're all gathered here today on the 30th anniversary um, of the Royal Commission and we're here today on the, f- on the calls of the families of those who have died in custody. Um, this is you know really huge that the families have called this and it's really great to see everybody out here. Today, with we'll be I'll be handing it over to April Day, um, who will be emceeing for the rest of the day. But first, I want to talk about some logistics with the marching. So, if for anybody who went to Invasion Day this year, we'll, we will be doing groups of a hundred again. I'm um, in the groups of a hundred marching down. Burke Street. Um, you don't have to stay uh, like 1.5 metres apart, but there will be groups of 100 people. So if you can listen to the marshals, um, the marshals will be directing us um, on where to go when we take off. So we're marching straight down Burke Street and up Swanson Street today, and there we'll have some speeches at the end um, of the march. Um, first of all, although I would like to um, do a minute of silence for all of the black deaths in custody that have happened, um, not just in the last 30 years, but since this colony started. And I really wanted to um, recognise all of the people that have died in the last five weeks as well. So if we can do a minute of, minutes of silence.
Thank you. Um, I'm going to introduce onto the stage um, Sue Ann Hunter. Sue Ann um, is such a deadly Wurundjeri woman and she's been really out here on the front line like for ages and it's really good to um, be able to have her here today. So um, can I welcome onto the stage Sue Ann Hunter. My name is Sue Ann Hunt. I'm a very proud Wurundjeri woman. I have two of my niece standing with me today. So as we gather today on the ancestral lands of my people, I would like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri, the custodians of the traditional lands where you stand. It is still our lands. We never ceded sovereignty. I pay my highest respects to those that come before me, leaving their footprints on the land this means I'm able to walk this great land with a sense of justice, which brings me and each and every one of you here today to these steps. To all the elders here today, I pay my respects to community members from wherever your homelands are. Know that you are welcome here. We currently have sorry business in our community and to those families, we send our love, our strength and our deepest condolences. I want to particularly say to the families of those who have lost what loved ones in custody, we are here for you, we march with you and we seek justice beside you. Despite the ongoing colonisation effects and the oppressive systems that affect our community, we are resilient people and we will continue to seek justice. To non-mob here today, understand us, stand by us, fight for justice with us, because our creative spirits have made us sure that as peoples have, we have never, ever stopped seeking justice. For us, this never goes away. For us, once this march finishes, we still have these injustices to, as a burden on our shoulders. I was going to speak my language to welcome you, but in my language, we have only one word which I think is, is prominent and sits forward today, and that's woman Jekka. And I ask you all to come with purpose. John Pat was just 16 when drunk and off-duty police officers beat him to death in Western Australia, triggering a royal commission. The royal commission was 30 years ago. The officers involved were acquitted of manslaughter charges after pleading self-defence. No one was ever held accountable for his death and the other 500 deaths in custody. We, we had implemented the recommend, if we had have implemented the recommendations from the Royal Commission, we wouldn't be talking about these things now. There's plenty of discussion, no one's listening, there's no action and there's no justice. We have had five Aboriginal people die in custody since March. That's five since March. This is the third time this year I have stood before you, I have welcomed you, and I have asked for our voices to be heard. Today is different. My voice isn't important. And it, and 
my voice isn't important. What's important today is that we hold space and we hear from those families themselves. Our job today is to listen. Our job today is to turn into ourselves and ask ourselves, what does justice look like? Our job today is to sit in the heartbreak and let the heartbreak make it a burden to escalate the voices of our families whose loved ones have died because of, this, because of the justice system. Let's remember it's not a broken system. It's a system that works exactly how it was set up to work. And it is up to us to change the system. Today we walk with the families who lost their loved ones. They have a petition for change. We have a responsibility to listen to their demands and in turn to demand our politicians read them and act on them. Today, these are the families that ask for those demands and these are the families we walk for. The family of Sharinda Wynne and Warren John Cooper. The family of Christian Drake and the family of Trajak Simpson. The family of David Dungay Jr. The family of Gareth Jackson Rowe the family of Joyce Gladys Clark, the family of Mrs. Dew, the family of Nathan Reynolds, the family of Tate Chatfield, the family of Auntie Cherie Fisher-Tilbury and the family of Wayne Feller Morrison. To these families, I say, we hear you, we see you, we honour your resilience and your sense of justice. Today and every single day, we stand by you and fight for justice with you. Thank you. I'm gonna, uh, our MC for the day is coming up and what a amazing, resilient woman who my heart just, she is an amazing young woman. So I just wanna hear really loud for um, April Day. Hello, um, I wanna thank Sue Ann for that deadly welcome. I would just like to acknowledge that we are standing on the stolen land of the Wandry people of the Kulin Nation and pay respects to elders past and present. I want to pay respects to my elders and all the elders here today and thank you for hearing the family's calls and being here with us. Um, I'll just reiterate uh, what Sue Ann said and that we are all gathered here today for the 30th anniversary of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. Um, since that recommendation, uh, that Royal Commission, we have had over 474 Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people die at the hands of police and prisons. And from them, 474, we've had zero convictions. Shame. I've lost count how many times I've stood here and had this yarn, and I'm only here because my mother, Tanya Louise Day, is in within those numbers. And I stand here to remind everybody that these are just not another statistic, that they are loved ones that are deeply missed and grieved every single day. 
Myself, along with another 14 other families, have been working on a campaign that is completely family-governed and led to call on the governments to sit down with us and have a yarn about how our people keep dying violently to the system. We have got uh, QR codes so you can sign the petition. Each signature means the world to us and we need everyone's help here today to make sure that this petition gets signed. We also have buckets going around, um, getting donations for the Dajwa Foundation, which has been established by myself and other family members that have lost someone die in custody. So the Dajwa Foundation has been established um, solely by the families with that first hand lived experience. And it is to provide a strategic, culturally appropriate model of care for families while they're grieving and on their ongoing fight for justice. So we are completely grassroots. We don't want or expect anything from government. So it is absolutely essential that we have the support from the community to be able to do what we need to do for our family and for our loved ones. Um, while we're here, we've got a few speeches to read out from some other family members. Um, so I will hand over to Tarnine, who will uh, read out Arnie Carroll-Rose's speech. Arnie Carol Rowe is the nana to um, Miss Jew and her speech is the police in South Headland WA said my nana Miss Jew was faking it. My nana was struggling to walk and breathe. They did not listen to help her or care to help her. They just dragged her around like a dead kangaroo. And those officers that didn't help my nana, Miss Jew, were promoted to higher positions within the WA police force. Me and my families are still waiting for justice. Rest easy, my nana. Next, I'd like to call up Roxy um, to read out Paul Silver, David Dungay's nephew, speech. My name is Paul Silver and I'm the nephew of David Dungai Jr. David Dungai Jr. aged 26 when he was killed by corrective officers in Sydney's Long Bay Jail on the 29th of December 2015 after refusing to stop eating a packet of biscuits. We stand here 30 years on after a royal commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody that was put in place to prevent future deaths occurring at the time of that inquiry. Authorities had only implemented a handful of recommendations, but there still continues to be a higher rate of deaths in custody. I believe if all the recommendations were implemented at the time of the Royal Commission, most Aboriginal deaths in custody after that inquiry would have been most likely preventable and so many families would not have had to suffer from these traumatic events. After a family is exposed to one of these deaths, the fight can be a massive battle as you will be up against a corrupt system and government that doesn't care about the First Nations people being killed at the hands of those who have signed a, a provide a duty of care. 
It's disgusting and appalling that individuals higher up in a government position that can address these issues immediately would rather sit on their backsides and continue to watch human life be lost with no accountability. How could the individuals involved with these traumatic events continue to live in society and in our communities knowing very well that they had involved in taking someone's life while these people celebrate their birthdays, Christmas, Easter, our families sit around on those days reminiscing and wishing that our loved ones were here with us, waiting for a phone call or simply waiting for them to walk through the door. We, the First Nations people, demand an independent Aboriginal body to investigate future Aboriginal deaths in custody, to re-ensure that police are not investigating police and providing providing evidence at an early stage to the coronial inquiry. We do not support colleagues investigating colleagues. That makes no sense at all. I believe this is how investigations are conducted, how many police and prison officers will continue to walk away without any accountability towards them in regards to killing of inmates. We must stand together and smash down this corrupt system Enough of the deaths and enough of the injustice against First Nations people. Dudley, thank you, sis. Um, I now will hand over to Crystal, who will share the story of Michaela Reynolds, who's the sister of Nathan Reynolds. Nathan Reynolds is one of the 447 Aboriginal people who have died in custody over the last 30 years but he is not just a statistic. He is forever remembered as a joker, a talented tradie, a typical boy's boy and a big softie at heart. Nathan was our brother. He was a son, a father, a nephew and a grandson. He was deeply loved. Losing him has left a hole in our lives and we miss him every single day. It is soul crushing knowing that he was just 36 years old. Nathan died on a cold prison floor. We now know that he died of a preventable asthma attack because New South Wales Corrective Services and Justice Health failed to give him adequate health care. Nathan had lived with asthma for most of his life. He took his Ventolin and saw doctors regularly while he lived in the community. When he was sentenced to prison on a four-month fixed term, he lost access to that community-based health care. He was put in the hands of the Corrective Services and Justice Health. And in just four months, they watched his condition deteriorate enough to kill him. Nathan's death was preventable. Several times he went to the prison clinic and said he wasn't feeling well. It was never any secret that Nathan was an asthmatic. He was given multiple puffers, which should have been a major warning sign of his that his asthma was out of control. Yet his asthma was never noted in the prison's chronic disease screening system. He was given no consistent ongoing care for it. He had no asthma action plan. If anything, the prison system was skeptical of Nathan's medical needs. When he was dying of an acute asthma attack, the first nurse on scene gave him um, naloxone, an antidote for the drug overdose. In her evidence, she claimed she would react the same way to someone having a medical episode on the street. We reject this. 
We believe that Nathan was stereotyped as a drug user because he was in jail. He was seen as a prisoner, not as a person. Corrective officers walked to Nathan. They did not run. They took 11 minutes to arrive while our brother's life hung in the balance. Once they arrived, their priority was security, not caring for Nathan. At the inquest, one officer said that in hindsight, the only thing he'd do different that day was to take a sickie. This was a disgusting thing for our family to have to hear. Nathan received emergency first aid, not from the prison staff, but from his fellow inmates. At the inquest, we were hoping to see accountability. We wanted the nurses and doctor who saw Nathan to be held accountable for their failings, not just with a slap on the wrist, but with real consequences. Unfortunately, we didn't see any individual accountability. If there was individual accountability, we might see less deaths in custody. Our family and the families of every single person in New South Wales prisons deserves to know about the progress and the outcomes. It's too late for us, but other families deserve to know that their loved ones are safe. Inmates should be believed when they say they are unwell. People should not die in prisons away from their loved ones. In the last months, there have been another five Sorry, in the last month, there have been, a, been another five deaths in custody. How many more Aboriginal people must die before their time due to the failings of the Justice, Health and Corrective Services? We say no one. Not one single person has to die before their time because change is possible. Our family is calling on the New South Wales Government, Corrective Services and Justice Health today to make changes and hold people accountable for their actions or should I say lack of actions. Just because the inquest is finished, our family's fight has not ended. We will continue to fight for justice until there are no more deaths in custody. Thank you. Um, this next speech is a horrific example of how traumatic the intergenerational trauma of Aboriginal deaths in custody is. This is from Auntie Jennifer Clayton, who is the mother of Warren Cooper and the nana for his daughter, Shadina Wayne. Enough is enough. I lost my son, Warren John Cooper, 20 years ago. And 20 years later, in 2019, I lost my granddaughter, Shadina. Wayne's daughter, I'm tired, but I will fight until I die for justice for my loved ones. And I want the WA police to tell the truth and tell the truth and the needs to be told. No more lies. My family wants the truth and justice for my son and for my nana. This has to stop. Um, next up, um, we have Tarnine uh, sharing the story um, from Ani Carolyn Lewis. Um, Annie Karen Lewis is a family member of Miss Dew, so I'll read out her speech as well. Um, I've watched my families, my family for many years suffer in silence, who've lost loved ones in custodial deaths. We are, we are mourning forever. 
We wait for answers, inquiries and inquests for our families and we will tell our families the, the wrongs and the justice we deserve for our silenced loved ones that have passed. We are your voices and we'll fight for you forever, sending love to families who have lost members in the custodial spaces. Um, next, yeah, I'll introduce April. She will um, read out the demands of the family of the families. These demands have been worked on by the 15 families and together we have put these together and uh, putting this to the governments. Number one, governments need to fully implement all recommendations of the Royal Commission into Aboriginal deaths in custody while involving and listening to our families. Two, we need an independent investigative body to inquire into all deaths in custody. Police must not investigate other police officers or prison officers. Number three, governments need to reallocate public funding away from punitive policing and expansion of prisons and invest into Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander-led grassroots solutions. We know what works for our communities. Allow all of our people in police cells access to custody notification services without delay. And the physical restraint, abuse and torture, including spit hooding and solitary confinement of all people in police and prisons. Number six. Families deserve to know if their loved ones died in custody and that they will be heard, that there will be a timely, thorough and independent investigation and they deserve to be present at any public investigation of their loved one's death. This includes being provided with the means to attend all hearings. Families also deserve to know that their loved one's body is being treated in a respectful and cultural manner. Number seven, reduce imprisonment of our peoples by repealing punitive bail laws, mandatory sentencing and decriminalising public drunkenness. And to note that the Victorian government has made a commitment to the abolition of public drunkenness, but that is still 24 months away. So Aboriginal people are still at risk of dying in custody. Shame. Number eight, commit to raising the age of criminal responsibility to at least 14 years. And have a minimum age of detention of 16. Our babies do not belong in prison. Number nine. We want governments to implement decarceration strategies, including ending imprisonment of our mob who aren't sentenced, access to income support, ending homelessness, justice reinvestment and Aboriginal-led solutions. Yeah. And number 10, we need federal funding 
for policing and prisons to be repurposed to meet the needs of our communities. That is a shorter version of our demands, but you can find uh, the full demands on the Natsil's website. I will now hand over to Uncle Robbie Thorpe. Thanks, April. So I want to um, pay my respects to the, um, our creator ancestor, Bunjil. This is the land of Bunjil. It's made up of a number of uh, clans, tribes, family groups. And we have a law here, by the way. We had an ancient law that governed this land and its people for hundreds of thousands of years before um, colonialism happened. And you've got to look at uh, this from a fundamental question of colonialism, what's happening to us today, why it's happening. And I think if you have a look at uh, the issue of genocide, if you look at the Act, you'll see that everything in that Act Australia's guilty of, and there's no doubt about it, whether it's forced removal of our children, creating the conditions of life with intent to destroy causing serious mental harm, preventing deaths, uh, preventing births, and killing us in custody. Deaths, killing our people. And it's important to remember this country hasn't got consent. Is that an issue here? Is that an issue in this country, the word consent? Because it is to Indigenous people too. Maybe that's the cause of all of our underlying problems that we've got here. You know, Australia is a monumental crime scene as far as I'm concerned. Terra nullis, a legal fiction. And what the hell is that? It was described by their so-called High Court as the act of unutterable shame. Now let's unpack what that means, people. Does people know what unutterable shame means? Because that's what this country represents. Have a look at that hotel, the name of it. Have a look at that hotel, the name of it. You know, this is an occupied land and everybody lives in denial, which gives credibility to this operation behind us. No one does nothing about the, the premeditated criminal genocide which this country is built on. The acts of terror. Can you imagine? Now, we're a peacefully organised society, lived in harmony with all the other tribes on this vast continent, bigger than Europe. Not only in harmony with all of our people here, the animals with us too, our totems. Where are they? They're very important in the scheme of things here. They represent a divine law. Not that people understand much about that. Because this is a convict penal colony and it manifests from that, right? It was never a consensual, peaceful settlement here. And our people have been saying this is an invaded land and they've been trying to exterminate the original people, who are human beings, by the way. We're human beings. And we've got families, and we have the same feelings as probably all of you followers have too. And when we get our people murdered in custody the way they are, that's systemic. It's institutionalised. All this racism is. It's not so much the people. People are basically good. It's always the state. It's always the state, folks. They're the criminals. 
They manifest this. They allow their institutions to teach lies to their children. These kids were taught about Captain Cook discovering this country. Right? Lie number one. In fact, our, our fate was decided around the round table of England before they got here. This was called New Holland just prior before the British took it. Right? So it's all lies, folks. Everything is a lie. Until you can deal with that lie in this country, we're not going nowhere. How come our people are in their custody? Have they got jurisdiction over the original people of this land? Can they demonstrate that jurisdiction? Can they show you? No, they can't. So it's all a crime, folks. Until you remove the criminal elements in this system, nothing's going to change. We're like hostages. It's like a domestic violence situation for our people. We live in that sort of situation our whole lives. We're profiled, intimidated, abused. You've got no idea what they do behind closed doors here, these people. Now, this country, you're standing knee-deep in blood. It's time to acknowledge that. That's all our families. We're all affected by it. Anyone who dies prematurely, as far as I'm concerned, my people in this country, occupied land, it's an act of genocide. Right? We're quite healthy people only 200 years ago, and so was our country. And that says a lot about who we are, too. That's who we are. We're not raping the land. We're not abusing people. We didn't do that. We didn't travel halfway around the world to attack somebody else and lie about it. How come everyone believes this? I thought Australia was the clever country, conscientious. And all I see, all of our misery is a huge industry built out of it. We really don't need you know, managing our children, our heritage, our inherent rights, our land, our culture. We don't need you to do that. Thanks, but we don't need you to do that. That is the gap. You know, we're entitled to a, part, a portion of this economics of our own land, aren't we? What happens to our peoples, it gets cut off. Well, all these middlemen in between, all these huge bureaucracy that steals that money and we're left destitute on the ground, the people on the ground, you know. And not all blackfellas are squeaky clean either in this country. We have a thing called native police forces whose history needs to be looked at because those native police killed more blacks in their custody than most people. So don't think it's a colour thing. It's, 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 it's about colonialism, capitalism, globalism and that. And our people were used. All right? And we want to get to that point too. Don't leave that out because it's very important to our people who murdered our ancestors while they were being paid by them. So that's an important part of this whole scheme of things. That's not over yet. And we're going, we're going to take this all away. This Truth Commission, hopefully, it's got some teeth, not like the United Nations and, and things like UNDRIP and the United Nations Convention for the Prevention of Genocide. If that was a law here, none of this, we wouldn't be here today. What happened to the Convention to Prevent and Punish for, for the Crime of Genocide, Australia? You know, the whole um, Nazi episode was taken care of the same way. Right? So why doesn't it apply here? We don't need much more than that, other than that international laws like that to apply. But, 
you know, there's, there's another layer of conspiracy there. You know, the international courts, you know, where they been. So it's time to step up, folks. Now, we've got ju just cause. This is a, a falsehood. All of this is built on lies, deceit, fraud, propaganda and race hatred indoctrination. And that's why we all die in the jails today and have our children stolen and, and being oppressed and suppressed and repressed the way we are. We're quite capable of looking after ourselves. We can't even get a job in our own country. We haven't got decent housing. Look at the education. What a disgrace. What a disgrace. It starts with education too. And, that's, and I, I really just want to say thank you to all the people who gave up their Saturday, in spite of this weather, to stand with us. That's what's really important, folks. That, at the end of the day, that's what's really important. We're going to change this. I remember coming to these rallies back in the early 80s, before the Royal Commission. And I remember taking uh, the Koori Youth Band to Roeburn in West Australia to play a benefit concert to John Pat's family. Now, we've been at this for a long time. I remember there was hardly a soul here when people died in custody. People will know that people are here. You know, it was, it's been such a hard battle, long, hard battle for, to, to get to this point. You know, we owe it to our ancestors and we owe it to our children's children. All right? That's what we can do in this space here. And, it's a, and just remember, it's, it's a convict penal colony. That's the space we're in. We can do better, folks. All right? You stick with the law of this land, we can get rid of these criminals. We can have a brand new day for everyone, you know. Coming back to 3CR from the uh, steps of Parliament, uh, rousing speeches, 30th anniversary of the uh, Black Deaths in Custody Royal Commission report, not all implemented. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.